broadcasting direct from somewhere in the core of cyberspace. You are listening to the J2 Podcast. Technical difficulties, guys? Nah, we're just uh, working some of the bugs out of the system. With your host, Justin Wilson, covering topics such as networking, internet provider news, Every 12-year-old kid in Miami has one. And everything in between. All systems ready. All right, this is Justin here. I'm uh, sitting here or virtually with uh, Daniel White, and I'm going to let him do some introductions. I've known Daniel for several years, so give us the uh, the one minute. What's your what's your up to these days, Daniel? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, about two years ago now, I I started uh, Ethereal. Uh, I, I'm one of the the two co-owners of the company. And uh, I founded Ethereal after leaving Convergence. I was the uh, director of sales for CTI Connect. Um, and when I left CTI Connect or, or, or Convergence, I, there had been this ongoing thing that, you know, problem I kind of noticed in the, uh, the WISP industry was that, um, you know, CAF2 had kind of just wrapped up and the the, the awardees were announced and everything. <clears throat> and I just saw a lot of uh, WISPs get, uh, you know, government-funded overbuilds, uh, it, you know, from competition because they didn't offer VoIP. And when I asked many of those ISPs, why, you know, why don't you offer VoIP so this wouldn't happen? Um, usually they said it was either it was too complicated or um, – they just don't want to spend time on it or the regulatory stuff kind of concerned them. So, uh, you know, we, we ended up founding Ethereal to, uh, to solve that need, uh, to, to make it really simple for wireless ISPs um, or really any service provider to offer a white label VoIP solution um, at minimal cost to them with no contracts, no minimums, you know, try to, try to make it different than what anybody else had done. Uh, but also make it very focused on the the WISP space. So when you call in and say, "Hey, Cambium, my you know I'm having issues with this customer, and they have a Cambium radio," you know the default answer is VoIP doesn't work on wireless or something. You know we we, we get the infrastructure and the equipment you're using, and um, definitely want to try to support that specifically. Okay. So one of the one of the questions I've I've wondered for a while, and what's your what's your definition on this? I hear this term unified communications nowadays. What's what's your definition of unified communications? Sure. Yeah. You know that's the the, the probably biggest buzzword in the the VoIP space. Um, you know, if you go to any company's website, it's all about unified communications now, or some have even taken to calling it now unified collaboration uh, instead of communications. And, and, and the concept of unified communications is to tie all these, these systems that you use to communicate inside of a business um, together into one platform. Um, so, you know, the communications uh, is typically the phone piece. Uh, so that would be your, uh, you, you know, your, your Ethereal white label service or, you know, your PBX telephone service. But integrating that then with uh, to get more into the collaboration is like video and chat and, you know, maybe screen share. 
uh, something like Slack. Uh, so the, the, the concept is to take all these disparate systems, um, you know, your telephone, your maybe your Zoom is what you're using today. Maybe you've got Skype over here, uh, use Slack over there and to try to kind of bring them all together. So it's just one communications platform uh, for the company. Um, so that's what's meant by it. Uh, but as far as what is a unified communication feature and what isn't, uh, you know, I think that's all over the place, honestly. Yeah, I think it's one of those that the, the business determines, you know, what, what unifies our communications. Is it just voice? You know, do we just need to be able to reach people, you know, wherever they're at? Do we need to leave them, you know, email voicemails? Do we need to do this or that to get them, you know, get them where they feel connected, especially with this this whole COVID-19 stuff where people are working from home and they oh, may yeah. not be used yeah. to it and, you know, working some odd hours or things like that. Yeah, there's a, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, for whatever you want to say about it, it's, uh, it's put some interesting stress tests on the the concept of unified communications right you know uh companies like zoom um have of course all of a sudden seen a massive spike of usage of of their service and we've seen uh inside of uh ethereal with with, with our clients and whatnot um massive spikes of usage of our soft phone clients which is uh where you take, um, we, we, we put a client on, in your web browser or a client on your cell phone, and it allows you to, uh, uh, to communicate as if you're still back in the office. You know, the, the caller IDs work and everything. And that's, that's typically one of those unified communication features. Um, we've seen an increase in usage of uh, voicemail to email um, before, especially like, uh, you know, like the support call queues and things like that, where all the agents were in the office, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, now that all the tech support agents are at home, uh, you know, sending those voicemails to email is just a little bit more convenient. Um, we even have some chat features inside of our platform that uh, have seen a lot more usage than we're used to. Um, you know, since the the pandemic kind of forced everybody home, and I wish that the pandemic had maybe if it was going to happen and this, this whole big change in unified communications was going to happen or, or push to it all of a sudden um, had given us a couple more months because we actually, as a Theral, we've got a zoom replacement okay. type thing coming. So, you know, the full screen share and video and the whole nine yards, like it's uh, it's in an alpha stage and um, you know, we've, we've given it to a couple clients to kind of, mess around with, you know, when their Zoom isn't working or something. But, uh, you know, that's that's what the future is. I think no matter what business it is, if you're a wireless ISP or if you're a Fortune 500 company is wrapping all these things together, you know, and, and, and trying to make it all come from one platform. And I think, you know, I, I hate the, the term being thrown around that it's a new norm, um, but I think there will be a lot of changes after this happens. I think there will be businesses that say, well, I might not have to have office space for 5% of my workforce or 10% of my workforce. So now I need to have these these tools for them. I, th I think we're going to see, see some of that. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, there is a uh, cost associated, right, with having office space and, um, and desks and whatever. And um, like it or not, the, you know, this whole, this whole situation is showing to a lot of businesses that maybe we don't have to have so much office space and so many employees here or, uh, you know, maybe we can be effective just working from home. Um, you know, there's, there's been a big stigma, you know, in a lot of business circles about work from home means that you're just going to be lazy and everything else. And now that everybody's being forced to work from home, uh, that, that can, it's, uh, it, it is going to have a change. And, um, we've seen a dramatic increase in requests about these type of features, you know, uh, what can we do? Uh, and I don't really think it's going to be a short term thing. I think, these features that we didn't necessarily get asked a lot about previously to, to COVID-19, I think is now um, they're going to be used just daily a lot more often. Um, I, I think they will. So. And I think uh, students even and, and non-business people will, you know, that's how they'll keep in communication with some of their friends and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think you're like me. I've, I've worked from home for, for years and mm -hmm. I almost find it the opposite at times that I work too much. Oh, it's so easy to, yes. to pop in my office and do five minutes of work. And the next thing it's, it's 45 minutes. Yeah. And you know, it, it, I think it's going to be a, a big change and maybe for the good, maybe for the bad. So, which, which leads me into, yeah. you know, how, how can WISPs and how can your, your target customer take, take advantage of, of what you're doing? So, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the whole concept of Ethereal is to provide a white label service so that if you're a, you're an ISP, um, you know, I, I, you know, I say WISP a lot, right? You know, uh, being part of WISPA and the community we know, um, Everybody seems to have some fixed wireless somewhere in there, but, but really VoIP is technology agnostic. Um, and in fact, my service, because it's in uh, what I would call our private cloud, uh, we host all the servers in our data centers. Uh, it's not tied to any specific network. So uh, it, it's even one of those things that you as, a, as an ISP, if you can't get them internet, you can still sell them telephone. True. And and it's not just going to be telephone that they're interested in anymore. Um, now, many businesses, uh, you know, the, the the over the next five years, I should say, uh, the business voice opportunity is supposed to still be growing, depending on what what study you read, anywhere from fifteen to twenty five percent compound annual growth year over year till twenty twenty five. So there's a huge demand and opportunity already in the space of companies replacing analog telephone systems and putting in uh, VoIP systems or, or getting off of the phone company's offering and looking for something a little bit more feature-rich or, um, or exciting. And so for, for any ISP out there that has businesses, and it doesn't matter if it's one to five employees or 500 to 1,000, um, Ethereal offers a, a, a solution that you can go in and, and, and make easily 50 to 70% margin on, uh, you know, something that we sell for $9, uh, 
uh, you could turn around and sell for 35 sometimes. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity to increase revenue, but also make those business customers sticky, um, which is another awesome thing to do as an ISP is, you know, your business customers are typically the most profitable ones, yeah, right? You know, the ones that customers because they're, yeah. they're usually paying for the extra features. They're also have their own support staff, you know, to a degree, some, some outsource all their IT, some look to you as the ISP for the support, but they're, they're hmm. usually a low touch customer. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the other weird opportunities I would say that I didn't expect out of COVID-19. And it's hard to say what the long-term trend is going to be uh, on this side. But, you know, everyone typically when they, they, they talk to me about VoIP, the, the, the first question I usually get is, well, I don't have a phone at home. You know, I, I, I just use my cell phone now. And, and that's true for, for many Americans. Um, I know the FCC uh, I, I want to say they think about 30% of U.S. households uh, still have a landline phone. Um, so there's still opportunity even in the residential space. But what's really interesting is that we've even seen an uptick from some of our service providers during this pandemic of requesting landline or, or VoIP phones uh, in households that haven't had phone service for a very long time. Okay. And I, I, I think that might be a continuation of that trend of, you know, communication is critical and that, that feeling of, of maybe cut off or thinking, you know, what if I can't go out and, you know, we're quarantined at home and um, I need to make sure I have multiple ways to get hold of people or they can get hold of me. Um, it's been an interesting trend and I, and I can't really put my finger on the why there just yet. I mean, I've, I've got some hypothesis, I guess, but um, even, even uh, many of the ISPs that we, we provide service to today have brought it up and they're like, it seems kind of weird that our phone take rate in the residential is yeah. higher right now. Um, so I, I, you know, I hope it's a trend that continues and it, I think the value is there, you know, in, in many ways, but it's, uh, it's just been an interesting trend and, in, and kind of opportunity, you know, is that the, is, is that going to be the long-term you know, situation where there's just more phones now inside of the house. Well, and I, I don't know. I hear that. I think of some of the, the people that I, I talk to on a regular basis and a lot of people have switched away because of the price. You know, uh, mm -hmm. my father-in-law, he still has a, uh, I believe it's a Frontier or AT&T phone. He lives across the border in Illinois. Um, they're paying $89 a month for a home phone. He's got a yeah. cell phone, um, but they kind of look at the cell phone as unreliable. You know, he doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily, he's, we mm -hmm. can, we can go into the, well, he's older. He doesn't trust the technology, but I think even the, the younger generation, if, if that is affordable, then they'll, they'll relook at it. I mean, I dropped my home phone years ago because of the price. I'm like, well, I would rather spend money on my cell phone and always have it with mm -hmm. me rather than spending it on a landline that, you know, I wasn't home much to answer it. So I, right. I think maybe that, that plays into it a little because I've often wondered myself sitting here at my home office, you know, would I want a desk phone? 
And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of something that I struggle with. And most of the time it comes down to, well, do I want another bill and how much is that? Right. Yeah. The, I, I've been shocked at some of the, the bills that I've seen for, for home phone service. Uh, you know, the $89 is not, you know, the exception to the rule. Um, you know, the phone company is great getting you in at, oh, it's $20. But that doesn't include long distance where, you know, our service includes long distance. We throw in Canada. We throw in Mexico as well. Uh, You know, it's uh, all these additional fees and and, and things that they add in. And then you're at $50, $60, $70 a month. And if you're in an area where um, maybe the cell phone coverage is spotty as well, uh, like I know my father has a home phone because – uh, no matter what carrier you're at, you're lucky, you know, you get like one bar at his house yeah. type thing. He's in a pretty rural area and you, you got to have that just as a backup, just in case, right. You know, if, uh, uh, if you need to get hold of somebody or make a nine one one call or something. Um, but we can offer that same service. So nine bucks is our, is our standard price to an ISP. ISP turns around and sells that for 20, 25, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a completely different mentality and mindset now. Instead of paying $89, I'm paying 25 or yeah. maybe it's bundled in now with the Internet. So why not have it? It's not that, that big of a, an increase in cost for the, the safety factor um, or just the capability to let your kids answer the phone again and let your, you know, six-year-old call uh you know call grandma yeah, yeah. uh you, they don't have to have a cell phone right there's, there's yeah. all sorts of just little things you start you forget about that that we used to do um if uh but if there's a cheap phone there you know why not yeah and um i i live in a town about about 800 people small small little town and if people come to my house um there's only one carrier that works here and so, you know, it, it becomes a little problematic. Um, I can imagine my neighbors, um, some of them may be moving in and they don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they have uh, one of the other carriers. Now, all of a sudden, they uh, they have spotty service. And, yeah, there's, there's ways to get around that and things you can buy. But, you know, just having that phone on the wall, like you say, may, may make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and certainly... You know, that trying to sell a residential phones, you know, to every single person, you know, I don't think that's where, as I said, the big opportunity is, but it's been an interesting trend. It does seem to be, there does seem to be some rebound to it now. And, um, and a lot of it is cost related and feature related. And so the pandemic is just doing kind of weird things, I feel yeah. like, to the, the telecommun- telecommunications ecosystem, right? So, uh, cool to be part of that you know and and be there to help people and it's cool you know uh veronica that that works with you she posted on her her facebook a little while a week or so ago about some new phones you guys are um you know testing out or whatever and i i Mm -hmm. don't know a whole lot about those but you know it looked cool and it's like well okay that's a modern upgrade to you know my old cisco ip phone or something like that so uh, there's there's that sort of technology involved too Oh, yeah. Desk phones have come a long way, not just on features, but on price as well. It, it, it used to be that, 
you know, if you wanted to get a VoIP phone on your desk, uh, you know, you couldn't do that for less than $200. Yeah. Uh, and, and now there's great phones made by companies like Avaya, Polycom, Yealink, sub $100 phones that have tons of features that you just can't replicate with some of the, the soft phone clients. Uh, ours is called Snap Mobile. Uh, but, but there's definitely features you can't replicate um, in, in an app that you can do easily on a phone. And then, yeah, when we get into like the flagship type phones, um, we're using, uh, we're, we're big fans of the new Yealink T5 series of phones. And uh, what you saw Veronica post was uh, the Yealink T57W, which is their kind of their flagship phone. It's touchscreen. Um Cool. It, it's got all sorts of buttons and other features in it, and uh, the audio is crystal clear. It's got noise canceling in it, so if you're in a noisy office, it will uh, uh, automatically cancel out that background noise for you. Nice. It's part of the audio stream. Uh, you could do video calls on it uh, if you buy the ca- additional camera that goes with it. So th- there, there's all these really cool things that... Um, uh, that are available. And uh, the, the, the funny thing is I think the, the biggest thing that Veronica's loved so far is I, uh, I put a cool ethereal background on her phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She really liked that. I just surprised her with that one morning and uh, she really loved it. So well, you can I mean, even brand the phones, which is kind of cool. You know, yeah, I mean, um, you've, <laughs> you know, you've been, uh, you know, the upper crust of management and several of your companies and things. And I think, you know, the guys at those levels, they, they like those things because, hey, that's bringing our company, you know, kind of together. Yeah, you know, and and the the geek and in in people like that too, because oh yeah, that's you know that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it, we're you know I, I I think in a lot of ways the the it's cool thing is is something we're you know we're always trying out pushing the edge a little bit, um, and certainly because our clients are. Um, uh, are, are all ISPs, right? You know, they're, 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 they're techie guys too. So that's kind of the, the, the culture that we all get a share at least. So um, we're always trying to play with the latest and greatest stuff uh, just to, uh, to, to make sure that when, when your clients ask for it or, or uh, you want to play around with it, we kind of are there to be able to support you and say, this is what, what we know how it can do. Uh, we get some weird requests out of left field. So that's why we're always testing as well, just to see, you know, push the boundaries of what all these devices can do. But, you know, I'm a techie guy. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. And I've, I've been in meetings over, over the years where the, the CEO or, you know, some C-level management said, hey, I read about this and, you know, on the plane today. Can we do that? And so, you know, by, by you researching all that, you can say, well, I've heard of that. I, I think we can do that. Or, yeah, we're already doing that. Yeah. You know, we also get the opposite, right, especially from the, the C-level executives in a lot of companies, uh, the, you know, the older ones that are going, well, on my phone system 20 years ago, I could do this. Uh-huh. And I thought that was cool. And, you know, I'm going like scratching my head going, Nobody's done it that way for 20 <laughs> years, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's been amazing. This, the stuff that, that we've been asked doing this and, and have to kind of think about and, and, and piece together. Uh, but it's also really exciting, especially the, the more modern, the phone that's in front of that person, 
the more ways I have to, to, to give them whatever they were looking for, you know, uh, yeah. maybe in a better way. And I could kind of ease them into it, like with a, a button instead of pick up the phone, dial this, then dial that or whatever, like, Hey, just press this button and it's going to do that for you. Um, you know, the, the, there is some really cool things that we can do now with, uh, with the devices that we have uh, access to. Good. So while we're kind of on some, some techie topics, I picked out a couple, yeah. couple things that uh, were intriguing to me off, off the website. Um, you mentioned, you know, the the system um has like hitless upgrades um what's what's that about so yeah when we say hitless upgrades um you know the the, the cool thing about the way that we have our our switch deployed or, or the 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 voice platform we have deployed is that we can um we can do any upgrades both to our platform uh, in a lot of ways, customers, uh, resellers could do upgrades and, and changes to their clients without any disruption or, or having to have the client sit there and press buttons. It could be done remotely. But on our side, we can do almost any upgrade or any change that we need to make on a system-wide level without any disruption of call processing. Nice. Um, you know, the, the our objective uh, is to run the switch like any ISP would want it run with as much uh, with as much failover uh, as possible. And and we've really done that in, in, in all of our nodes. There's, uh, you know, we do things like virtual switches. So if a switch completely fails, uh, you know, an IP switch fails, like it's still going to chug along just fine. You know, redundant power supplies on everything, A and B power, multiple upstream connections, but because we're also geo-redundant, um, we can literally have entire nodes go down. Um, you know, the data center could be leveled and the customers should never notice. So we can, we can use that same infrastructure to, um, you know, if we want to roll out new features and things, uh, we can uh, make those changes slowly over a maintenance window and uh, make sure that as far as any of the customers or clients are concerned, nothing happened. Just all of a sudden, there's more features. Or, or <laughs> so, a new button on uh, their touchscreen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's one of the cool things about so the, 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 the software we're using, the customizations to that software we've done, and just our deployment methodology is uh, we don't want there to ever be downtime. We don't ever want there to be an outage. Uh, even if we're doing work on our side, you know, regular maintenance, uh, we're able to take bits and pieces down so that nobody will ever notice that, that we're doing any work. So that's, uh, that's, that's kind cool. of what we mean by it. And it's, uh, um, so it's a cool, cool thing of the platform, the way we do it. And, and I'm not a voice engineer. I've, I've done some free PBXs and, you know, things like that. Oh. So the, uh, your advanced security and fraud detection kind of, uh, intrigued me because the, the plague I see with, you know, these free PBXs and people trying to roll their own is now all of a sudden they get some, you know, somebody from overseas, uh, racking up a bill because they, they hacked the free PBX. So tell, tell right. me a little bit about that. Yeah, so you know, I'm not going to disclose everything that we do, but uh, you know, talking in in some generalities, let's say about how we do it. Uh, I don't want to give anybody an advantage yeah, that might exactly. listen to this yes. as far as like maybe things they can try against us. Yeah. But 
You know, we we take security uh, and fraud detection very seriously. Um, I, I can't tell you how many uh, how many times I've I've heard of people exactly like I said they 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 roll out their own uh, PBX using Asterix or Free Switch or something, and then they get a ten thousand dollar bill um, because they didn't catch um, you know some fraud instance quick enough. Uh, and we do a lot of things to um, to protect not only the the endpoints, meaning the uh, the debt, the phones on your desk or the ATAs in your your, your customers' uh, premise, but we're also doing a lot of monitoring on the the switch. Uh, we've got a lot of rules in place. Uh, things like we don't allow any international calling without a support ticket being entered, um, and then we only unlock the countries that that customer actually wants to, to talk to, and then we put a pin on top of that oh, that okay. has to be dialed before um, that call can be completed. Nice. So, uh, so it, it really makes any international call, um, even if a device gets compromised, that international call is just not going to happen. Um, a, and a because we do level of security. Yeah. And, and, and because we do uh, unlimited calling and our, you know, kind of our default plans that we sell to service providers, uh, the worst case is that we get a hit for some additional minutes, you know, some additional uh, domestic minutes. So none of that gets passed on to the reseller then. Um, you know, it's kind of on, on our side effectively. Um, but we're, we're doing a lot of um, monitoring for unusual patterns. Mm -hmm. It could be the number of calls that are placed within a certain amount of time from a certain endpoint. Uh, it could be uh, the, the volume of calls. You know, we've, we've, we've changed or locked down a lot of settings. Uh, we restrict, uh, we do things like restrict access to certain interfaces on the devices. And, and we've really spent a lot of time thinking about how to make sure fraud doesn't happen. But if, if a device does get compromised to minimize the effects as much as possible, one, by detecting it as quickly as possible, and two, by taking action as quickly as possible. Yeah. So we've, we've done a lot of things there that, that most providers don't do. And, um, and certainly if you're rolling your own system, uh, unless you've taken the time to think about like all these little things you can do or, or, or not do, um, you know, you, you're leaving yourself open to that $10,000 international uh, fraud bill, which, you know, I've, I've seen it uh, a number of times oh, and too, yep. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big of a company you are. It's a painful bill to pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there's so, no, you know, there's no calling the, the credit card company and saying, Hey, you know, this wasn't me. They're like, oh, too bad. Right. Yeah. Every, every agreement, um, for, uh, for SIP trunks and things like that always says that fraud is on you. Yeah. You know, it's your fault, not, not the carrier's fault. Uh, and you know, we, so we want to just make sure that the fraud never happens to begin with, because as the ISP, even if you can turn around and point at your customer, like it's your fault, there's a $5,000 fraud bill because you didn't, change the password on your phone yeah. before you put it on a public IP address or something, um, they're not going to pay it. <laughs> and you're going to be the one left holding the bill, you know? Um, so uh, we spend a lot of time just trying to think of, uh, of all the ways to uh, prevent it from happening. And uh, strangely enough, we've, we've been really successful with all this. Um, 
And there's, uh, we actually did have for one customer just today, uh, I, I can't even remember the last time this happened, but one customer had a couple devices compromised. And it looks like it was, um, it was done on the local side. Uh, the, the ISP wasn't necessarily doing some, um, some filtering maybe they should have been doing. And the devices got compromised and they attempted to make all sorts of calls and, and everything else, but um, none of it happened. Uh, you know, they, we, we, we saw the attempts and the attempts alone triggered us to, to, to shut those devices off, change nice. passwords, and, um, and, but no damage was even done, you know, because of the other safeguards we put in place that once the device was compromised, they couldn't make those outbound calls to begin with. So um, I, I I'm really happy how, it, how it, our systems reacted to those yeah, type of things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's something that the role your own folks would have to spend a lot of time and they would have to spend a lot of ongoing time. Because I mm -hmm. think a lot of people don't necessarily realize it's just not these, you know, little little kids sitting in mom and dad's basement. These are organized groups with multi-layers, um, and it's big business for them. If they can grab a phone, yeah. now all of a sudden they can make lots of spam calls and, you know, maybe get grandma to, to get them to send a Starbucks gift card or, you know, a iTunes mm -hmm. gift card that they can turn in the money or something so oh yeah yeah and the, you know that's you know kind of as you go to that um you know the big uh the big thing you've seen from the fcc or you know if you follow kind of voip in a general sense or just telephony in a general sense is stir shaken which is supposed to be the kind of one of the ways that we're gonna stop this and mm -hmm. um make make calling more secure you know it effectively kind of works like um, like an, an SSL cert, um, that there is a, uh, an authority that's going to validate if uh, a, a call coming in, that the caller ID is legitimate. So okay. you're no longer ever going to get a call that looks like it's from the IRS when it wasn't the IRS or, or, or things like that. And um, we're really far along on implementing a lot of those things. Um, just like uh, we implemented uh, this year, uh, there was a requirement from the FCC. They announced that sometime next year, uh, you're going to have to be able to dial 988 to get uh, the suicide prevention hotline. Okay. You know, we implemented that the day the, uh, uh, the, the FCC order came out on it. Uh, there was no reason to wait. Um, and, and I think in a lot of things like that, I, I don't want to say we're going to be the first to market with, with anything, um, but we're a super fast follower. And unless you've got all the time to put into this stuff and, and really follow it, you know, that's, that's a big part of our value add is that, you know, VoIP is what we live and breathe. And we're following these regulations and changes in the industry uh, to make sure that you're not left behind. And, and not compliant with an FCC order, or you don't have the latest and greatest uh, security techniques in place. Um, you know, that's all those things are just kind of the, the, the culture we want to create that you don't have to worry about the phone system. Um, we're going to do all that work for you. And if you ever have a question or a concern, there's going to be a really friendly voice on the other side to help you out. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I look at your, your selling of. Uh... I don't want to call it a man-aid service because it's it's more than that. But you're 
you know, like you posted the other day on, um, I found it on one of the Wispa lists about uh, which form is it? Is it form 499? Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you, you posted here some, uh, here's some firms that you folks recommend to help you with that. Um, you know, yeah. you got 499, you got Kalia, you got, you know, the, the stuff you're just talking about. So, and 911 stuff, you know, that's, that's what scares me about me doing voice is keeping up on, am I, am I being compliant with all the 911 stuff? And sure, you know, I, having someone to help you through all that would be a, you know, would be a huge benefit. Yeah, there was actually this year, I mean, just on 911. Uh, there was something called, there was two laws that were passed. Uh, one was called Kerry's Law. The other one was the Ray Baum Act. And off the top of my head, I can't remember which one said what or did what, but uh, there was a number of changes that had to be made to 911 um, on VoIP systems. And now not all of them, uh, the, the deadlines haven't been hit for all of them. But those are the type of things that, you know, we stay on top of. So you just never have to worry about it. You know, we're we're making sure that we're making the changes to our system to make sure that 911 works. And uh, I think if you ask anybody uh, that that has talked to me on the phone during a demo or something about 911, um, we, we definitely take it very seriously. And uh, it's something I'm very proud of how we've implemented to make it as easy as possible. Uh, to give you that reassurance, it works. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it, there is all these things, right? And I we're here to help out, even if even if we can't provide that, like the the a Kalea document, for instance, um, that you might need to file. We're going to tell you who can and what you should expect at the cost. Um, but if you ever get the Kalea request, we'll be the ones that will work with the. Uh, you know, the law enforcement agency to get the wiretaps or whatever else. Our system is fully set up for it. You don't even have to deal with it. Send it our direction and we'll take care of it for you. You know, that's, that's a uh, huge, huge load off an ISP because I've been, I've been a part of some of those when I've been, you know, called in as the, the tech person for the network. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a scary time because they, they, the FBI and Homeland Security and them, they want get their stuff done as fast as they can because they're under a court yeah. order and you know time time is sensitive and they don't right. want to you know they everyone i've been a part of they've been nice about it but you know they're all business and they they expect you to have your ducks in a row mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that's uh and that's one of the things i was just trying to stress uh about voip in general um you know a lot of people worry about these things so they never get into it but uh I always want to provide all that guidance or as much guidance as I possibly can uh, to, to demystify how complex it can be or, or demystify the, the scariness of it. You know, mm-hmm. we want to, we, we want to make sure any ISP can do this. We've got uh, everyone from literal startups. We had a, a startup uh, just sign up the other day, no customers on their network. They don't even have a network yet. <laughs> uh, you know, they're putting up their first tower, but they're already starting to work with us and uh, and get going. So we've we've done everyone from startups to uh, some of the biggest CAF2 winners are on our switch. Uh, and they're using us to, to meet that VoIP requirement. So, you know, we've got ISPs that span multiple states and tens of thousands of subscribers, all the way down to ISPs that literally have none. And, uh, and 
we want to make sure that all the fears that you might have, that, that we can, you know, rationalize it, tell you what you need to do, and then make it so you don't have to worry about it, you know, just like check these couple boxes. This is who you go talk to if it's not something I can legally do for you. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you're off to the races, you know, we, we want it to be simple and it just generate money for you. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> kind of what we want to do. So, so if you're an ISP out there listening, you know, what's kind of a two part question. Um, what, what's their first step, you know, other than calling you, what, what happens after that? And second, um, what should they have prepared if anything, when they, when they call you? So, you know, when you, your, your first step, regardless of, of the VoIP company that you might choose to do business with, or if you roll it yourself, outside of the technical piece of, of getting it spun up, or what would be our onboarding process, you know, you sign the paperwork and you kind of get going and whatever. Um, from a regulatory standpoint, though, the very first thing you need to do is file the 499, which you alluded to uh, earlier, the FCC 499, and it's going to be the A. The A stands for annual. Um, now, your first filing is so you get a 499 filer ID, and it is to um, uh, basically tell the FCC that I'm offering phone service. Um, there are taxes and fees that um, the, the, the one the FCC is concerned about is federal USF for the Universal Service Fund. And the, the 499 is the mechanism that that gets paid. But the, the important note about this is that if you wait to file that form until after you're already offering voice, uh, there is a, there's a box, a signature box on that form that basically says, I have never offered voice before filing this form. Um, so there's a, there, there's a block on there that you got to be able to sign in and test as an officer of the company that you haven't been basically selling VoIP under, uh, uh, you know, kind of without the proper regulatory ducks in a row, so to speak. Um, so the 499 is really important and almost any compliance company, uh, well, I should say any compliance company is going to do that form for you. Uh, they're going to take care of all those things for you. So, um, after I do a demo of our platform, when somebody calls me and, and either asks just questions or asks me to show them around what it looks like, uh, the very first thing I almost send everybody is that list of compliance companies I posted, uh, I think it was on the animal farm list maybe, or maybe it was the WISPA list. I can't remember. Um, but I send them that list and I say, you need to talk to one of these companies and get your ducks in a row with them okay. before you, uh, you finish turning on service with me. Um, and if you're going to roll your own PBX or something, you know, just, and, and you don't want, you know, kind of that safety blanket that I help provide, uh, you still need to make sure that that's the first thing you do. You know, don't, don't go into this thinking it's like the 477. And if you just forget to file it, you know, they're, they're going to send you an email and it's no big deal. Uh, they like to find companies that forget to file the 499 because it, it, directly tied to the money the FCC collects from you. Yeah, that's so, uh, one of their primary businesses is those USF funds. And yeah. they, they have active agents. It's kind of like the IRS. They have people actively looking for for those mistakes. Yes, they do. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of it isn't, I said, it's not, um, 
it's not super complicated or anything, especially if you have a compliance company doing it for you. And they're not very expensive to have them, you know, do it, uh, especially with the margins you make in VoIP. Uh, I usually tell people if you have 10 customers, 10 paying customers on your VoIP platform, it's probably going to pay for all the compliance work and everything else. Okay. Uh, that's all it takes, just 10. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's worth doing in my opinion. I know some ISPs choose to do it themselves and, uh, you know, more power to you if, if you want to take that burden on, but, uh, I just like the peace of mind personally. Yeah. Anything um, you do with the government is you got to make sure, like you said, that one little checkbox, you gotta, you gotta yeah. know those sort of things or else you're causing yourself more work or fines or, you know, a visit. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's probably the big thing I always try to get going first. Um, but as far as anything else, uh, you know, before someone calls me, there, there really shouldn't, there doesn't need to be any preparation. Um, you know, just if you want to call and, and just talk, uh, you know, I do my demos in a very, um, kind of open conversation way. And, you know, I don't do slide decks or, or any of that type of stuff. I, I just don't believe in it. I, I want to spend that time that I have with you uh, to give you the value you need. So maybe you've got a ton of technical questions. Maybe you just want to see it. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't really care what, what somebody wants to do, you know, uh, just come and ask me questions. That's, uh, that's what I, I just love to talk about it and, and help people out. Even if, if you don't use us, uh, I, 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 am in, and, and I think really the, the thing that I want to say about Ethereal in general, um, is that we're all former WISP op or, or worked for WISPs. Every single employee of this company has, has worked for a WISP, uh, and the investors that we've had, um, have all either worked or owned a WISP. So we all understand what you guys are going through. Um, like we get it, we've been there, we've done it. And we're here because we're passionate about wireless ISPs and we wanna, we wanna help out. You know, there, there's a lot of things we could charge more for or do. And in some ways I just view this company as my way of giving back um, to this wonderful community. You know, I, I, I want Ethereal to just be part of the community. So if, if that means I get on the phone for 45 minutes and you don't, you don't end up purchasing VoIP service for me, that's fine. I, 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 I want to help out, make sure you, you don't go down the wrong path. You know, uh, that's, uh, that's scary. I don't want to see any WISP get in trouble because they didn't file the right form. At yeah. some time, you know, and I remember so, the, I'm always happy to talk and chat. <laughs> I remember one of the coolest things when, when you were just getting started a couple years ago, I had a client in Northern Indiana. They, um, they were thinking about offering, offering voice. Um, they were just a startup at that time and they're using the, the Cambium routers. Um, so I, I sent you a message and say, Hey, you know, they're talking about buying the, I think they were the R 200s with the ATA, um, built mm -hmm. into it. And, you know, can, can you use those on your system? And you're like, yeah, I've already tested them. I got a script, you know, he's, he's good to go. So, you yeah. know, things like that. I, you know, I, you call a couple others and they're like, oh, we can look into it and we, you know, we can, we can see what we can do. You, you already had it banged out and, you know, the, the, the client's not doing voice just yet, but you know, that was impressive to them too. Yeah. We've, um, yeah, we've already taken care of, yeah, a lot of the WISP or, or service provider equipment vendors 
Uh, so Cambium and ReadyNet are, you know, both they're always at the WISPA shows uh, for their managed router solutions and have the ATAs built in. You know, we had those day one. Um, Calyx, a lot of ISPs like the Calyx, either the ONTs or just the Giga Centers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got full support for those. Uh, Zone Dasan uh, ONTs we've done. Uh, and, and I do think that was uh, or is one of the differentiators of our company is that we're always going to be willing to do the work to add any ISP-focused uh, ATA type of device or, or, or phone. Um, we're not uh, we're not going to say no. I that, that that's why we're here. We're here to support service providers, and uh, if you know. Radwing comes up with a box or, or Ubiquity or, or Microtik. Uh, and Microtik, if you're listening, I still would really like you to make an ATA. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, any of these companies that, that ISPs regularly use that the, the other players in the space just aren't going to spend the time on, um, they expect us to do that. You know, that's what we want to do. We want to make it work with our system. Um, because we really do cater our system towards uh, the ISP community. Yep. So my, my kind of last question before we, we wrap up a little. Um, sure. Are you, are you doing any integrations with any software, um, like billing vendors or anything like that at the moment? You know, uh, that's a question we get asked a lot. Uh, and I want to say we're working on it. Okay. Uh, we've got the full capability. You know, we've, we, we've certainly scoped with, with all the billing vendors in the space uh, and integration. Uh, the, the, the question usually becomes on the billing vendor side, just uh, getting them to spend a little bit of time and, uh, and look at what they can do uh, with, with their systems and, and how it should be presented. Uh, so we are working with uh, with a number of providers right now. Um, I would say that uh, Power Code's probably been the most responsive to us. Um, and I feel like we might be first with them, uh, officially be able to say we're first with them. But we've been in communication with, I want to say, almost every billing vendor out there uh, in our space. And it's partly just going to be a mixture of customer demand um, and then uh, getting that vendor to, uh, to to give us their APIs and and for that coding to get done. Um, but the the good thing is that our platform has a full API stack, uh, and we do give access to any ISP that wants access to it. So I do know um, there are some ISPs that are comfortable with uh, you know with API calls and stuff that have done some work with like Sonar and PowerCode. Uh, Free side, believe it or not, you know we've we've had some free side uh, users uh, using it. So, um, you know, it, it, it's all something we're more than willing to help with and support. Uh, unfortunately, in those cases, it's not just our part. You know, we got to get some yep. buy-in from the uh, the billing vendor as well. It's and, all about time, uh, you know. They, yeah, everybody has priorities, and the more people who request it, the more priority it becomes, and yeah, so awesome. Well, and yeah, and we're also seeing, um, you know, like Sonar right now is going through their big, uh, uh, their version two rewrite. Yeah. So now is not the right time to be talking to them about an integration. Uh, you know, they've got their priorities. Uh, uh, you know, Visp has been doing something similar, for instance, like moving to their version eight. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it, it is all about timing. Um, I think, you know, the only reason we're further along with power code at this point is the timing, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and some very vocal customers as well. Uh, that, that definitely never hurts. Uh, but uh, any integration we can ever do um, with a WISP or ISP-centric platform, we're always going to be more than happy to invest time in to do. Uh, you know, once again, that's just, that's why we're here. So, um, you know, if, if anyone ever has any questions, uh, please, you know, contact us. And, yeah, that leads uh, me happy to, to the, scope the last question. Um, you know, uh, sure. there'll be a blog post associated with this. So um, there'll be your contact information and things. But if people want to contact you, how, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So the, uh, the, there's a couple ways. Uh, of course, you can visit our website at etheral.com. Uh, you can always call our, um, our, our menu or our, our company at uh, our phone number is 702-470-2770. Uh, uh, and then you can just uh, press, I think it's one for sales. Uh, you know, listen to our menu and, and, and sales and we'll be happy to talk to you. You'll probably get me. Uh, and then uh, you can also shoot us an email, uh, info at ethereal.com. And uh, the, Veronica and I uh, monitor that. So we'll, we'll always be happy to provide information and, uh, you know, set up a demo with you or something else. And uh, probably the last thing into that whole, you know, how do you contact us thing? If you do want to do a demo, uh, if you go to our website, you can actually book one directly on our website. Uh, it's got full tie-ins to all of our calendars uh, on, on the contact us page. Or on the VoIP page, there's a book a demo button, and uh, you can pick your time right there, and uh, you don't even have to reach out to us. Uh, you can book a demo, uh, you know, an hour time slot with us without even contacting yeah, us. Book so one I encourage at 3 you to do that. And away you go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, we I've woken up many times and been like, oh, someone booked a demo at a really weird hour last night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, please utilize it, you know, whenever you've got the time and, uh, we're open, um, you know, more than we're closed. So if you need to do, uh, uh, something at a weird time, weird hours, just reach out to us and let us know. And I'm sure we can accommodate. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for joining this today and, uh, Thanks, everybody, Likewise. for listening. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your day.